All right, hello, welcome back to Manifest. We are here. This is Omni Talk Retail. I'm Chris Walton. I'm Ann Mazenga. And we're here in partnership with Harbor Lockers by Luxor One. And standing in between us, Ann, we're going back to the future, back to the store of the future days, right. back to our target days. That's right. With our good buddy who now goes by one name, I guess. He opened the show, Shekar, opened the show today of Manifest with a killer keynote presentation. How are you, my friend? It is good to see you. Great to see you both. Yes. Um, and uh, world is world is really small. Oh my god! Yeah, it really is. No kidding, huh? No kidding. Well, Shekhar, tell us a little bit about what 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 you were on stage talking about today. Um, we'll get into that eventually. But first, like, what is your job now? Both roles, because you you're kind of you have one name but two roles. So let's let's start there. Yeah, great yeah. question. No, I was officially transitioned in one role. Like you know, my only primary responsibility is to actually run quiet oh. platforms okay. Oh, okay. Uh, because we've, we've had blockbuster growth in the business. Um, we're uber focused. We are uh, primarily building out the network capabilities mm -hmm. and uh, uh, we are off to a great start. Like, you know, we are amazing. We are doing an amazing job. Like, I'm, and thanks to my team, actually. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ann and I were joking. Like, you were over there You were over there talking to somebody. And Ann and I were joking that you're almost at this conference not as a retailer, but almost as, like, a solutions provider, right? Yeah. Well, what's that like? Well, like, you know, like, you know, like, it's it's been, like, a little bit of an uh, unsettling experience. Because, really? you know, if you're, if you're a shipper, you could go tell the carrier, like, here are the rates you need. Now you are the shipper. Like, you know, how right. do I negotiate against myself? Right. Or, uh, you know, if I'm a service provider, like, you know, now I'm negotiating against myself. But it actually built a lot of empathy. Right. She's I was going to say, foot, right? now you have that perspective being on both sides, I yeah. think. Well, tell the, the audience, if they don't know, if they haven't been following our coverage of, of Quiet Logistics on the show, what it is that you're doing? What's your offering here? What are you out here selling to the people at Manifest? Yeah. Um, so what we are actually, uh, quite platforms, um, is primarily, uh, you know, an end-to-end -end commerce enabler. Okay. Right? We, are, we are fundamentally redefining the operational fabric of how like business needs to be done and facilitating from the back end. And that's essentially what we're doing. So we, we are building a brand new category uh, which never existed. We're calling it the collaborative commerce network. Uh, it's being agnostic of the type of commerce. It's basically like sharing all of the assets, whether it's physical assets and digital assets and bringing that one unified network. Like, you know, like think of this as an open platform. Yes. Uh, that's completely democratized. That's completely efficient because like we are able to tap into every like, you know, atom available from a space and a, and a capacity perspective and making it available in a very efficient way. So I'm curious too, like one of the one of the phrases that we've heard, and we've used it a lot on our show to describe what you just talked about is mm. the quote unquote frenemy network. Yes. So what is right about that description and maybe what's not so right about it, if, if anything, I'm curious. Well, I, I think like, uh, see, I think the, the frenemies part of the network is primarily like, you gotta be friends on the things that are not relevant to you and you have to be the enemy like you know competing on the things that are relevant to you let mm, me tell you what yes. let me tell you what it is yeah so if i'm a specialty brand retailer um i'm in the business of actually bringing like garments to people so i have to compete on quality the the value that i bring to the customer and what are they paying for mm -hmm. and so the product is the most important thing the rest of the supply chain is not the most important thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of people have this misconception that supply chains are a competitive advantage, <laughs> you know? And I, I have some news for them. <laughs> supply chains are not a competitive advantage. Yeah. Hyperscale supply chains are a competitive advantage. Well, Shekhar, I was listening to your very uh, 
very charismatic and thoughtful presentation this morning. I have to say, you get people energized and you, you make a lot of sense. The visuals were spot on, just showing like how much, you know, Amazon and Walmart are shipping and then how much the average specialty retailer is shipping. Yeah, right. A lot of that really resonated with me and I, I'm sure the rest of the audience. But I have to ask the question, like you, you, you said with American Eagle, you've been able to get competitors on the platform. Um, what reticence if any, is there from retailers who are considering being on the platform? Like, are, are what kind of hurdles are there for them to get over to really understand like, oh yeah, this just makes complete sense? Yeah, two things, like false sense of uh, illusion of control. Control. Okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and the second thing is primarily like, retailers are very slow to move. Right. You know, and I can't, and I can't yeah, mince, yeah. no, I can't mince the words anymore. Like, you know, like, so um, most retail has a cycle to it, like, and people like, you know, there are many people involved in the process. Uh, many companies have many structural, like, you know, um, uh, you know, compli you know, problems that they have, they're structured differently. And so every company's decision-making process is very different. Mm -hmm. but, you know, let's take Fanatics as an example. Fanatics came to us in, uh, in March and they said, hey, like, we want to go light, light up basically, like, you know, same day, next day delivery at right. a very affordable price. Yeah boy they moved like the entire machinery in two months hmm. like you know we were literally moving millions of units for fanatics in like two months this includes you know getting the contracts getting it in integrated heck like i didn't even have a facility in atlanta that i opened like in like literally like from the time we you know signed the lease to the time we were actually shipping was like 35 business days wow right and so so we have the ability to move fast Sometimes the retailers don't move fast. And the second problem that yeah. I mentioned is this false sense of illusion of control. Yes. Right? You know, and so when you give up that, you know, you know, illusion of control that you really don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> or ownership. Or ownership. Yes. Yes. Uh, then I think like, you know, then you begin to understand the benefits of collaboration. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's where, you know, this is going. What what I mean especially with your background, again, going back to like your retailer and your service provider here, like what are, what are you able to tell them that really resonates? Like how are you able to get them to think differently or to maybe suggest how they're bringing different teams together to adopt this kind of program? What, what is helpful for them to hear? Yeah. So we have come up with uh, a concept called edge quotient. Okay. Okay. Right. Uh, the concept of edge quotient. It's, it's very simple. It's like the, the FICO score of a supply chain. Okay. Right. So most retailers say, and they all say this, they all say this, they say, we want to start from the right place with the right quantity at the right time. <laughs> and they start with the wrong quantity, the wrong place and the wrong time. Yeah. You know? And so for them, like, and particularly when you have a mixed commerce model like the omni-channel commerce model right. that exists today proximity is the most important thing mm -hmm. right and you will you really have two problems that you're trying to solve against one the depth of the volume that you have by skew and the second is the number of nodes on the network that you could access on demand right and so when you begin to atomize that unit like the case economy goes to the each economy you begin to deleverage the transportation Mm -hmm. Right. So what we are able to do is basically bring efficiency into that network of transportation, but also get you closer to the end consumer. Take, an, take the example of American Eagle. American Eagle on an average was shipping like 767 miles. Used to take us basically like, you know, five days on an average to get a package out. Okay. And now we are able to do it like less than like three days click to deliver for 80% of our customers. Mm -hmm. And we saved 
more money in 2022 than we've saved in 2021 and 2020. You you mentioned that, yeah. 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 And so our shipments per order went from 1.4 to 1.11, uh, unheard of in apparel industry. And like the distance that we travel right now is less than 400 miles. It was good for planet. It was good for profits. It's basically, you know, you're more diversified and some more resp responsive network. Right. So hitting on those three things. So, yeah. I'm, so I want to go back to what you said before, because you said something that I've never heard before. And, and I want to make sure I understand it and the audience understands it and that we can, we can talk about it, which if you get people bought into, like they don't have to have control, that the supply chain as they're running it right now is not a point of competitive advantage or differentiation. You said that there is a point of competitive advantage and differentiation. Why don't you expand on that? Like, what did you mean there? I'm curious. So, uh, you know, let, let's take basically like, you know, how most supply chains are set up today. From the factory to the door, you have limited number of connections, right? I'm actually using a set of factories, but I use like one carrier, two carriers mm -hmm. to ship with me. I use like one transloader. I use like a couple of like, you know, over the road transportation providers. I use one DC. But if any of those like, you know, you know, steps along the way goes like, you know, kaboots, mm -hmm. you're completely toast. Right. Right. So no one has like on demand, unlimited access, access. and connection. Okay. Connection. Mm -hmm. Right. And so and, you know, the ability to like create a plug and play environment where you are able to access any one of these networks is very similar to what happens to packets of information. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we are taking the same concept and basically we are applying to the packages that are moving through the network. Wow. Right. Yeah. And so that's essentially what we are trying to replicate. And we have to do it in an open and a shared way because there are two ways of doing it. You build your own network and spend all the money or <laughs> find basically capacity and connect them all. So is that, is that, cause I know the naysayers will say things like, you know, well, how is what he's espousing different than just how a three PL typically operates? Is, yeah. that, is that the core inherent difference there? Absolutely. Because you get like a network outcome. You don't get basically a site based outcome mm -hmm. and a limited connection outcome. And so for three, three PLs, all three PLs to me are micro networks mm -hmm. and we are the network of networks. Okay. Right. Yep. And so we are connecting all the networks. And so take like what happens in a, in a typical like 3PL business. Well, they have peak and they have troughs. And every time when the customer like which happens to be a retailer, like depending on their season and depending on their in the buys and everything, you know, they could be like using more capacity or less capacity. It's not a variableized model. Right. And so now you're stuck as a 3PL provider, either taking the loss or basically like passing the the cost back to the end consumer, which actually like, you know, is, is, is really like screwed up in my head. And so, but if you made that capacity more variableized, right, because you're part of a network, right. um, it, which is very similar to how like Google has kind of evolved. Mm -hmm. Google makes pixel phones, but it can also talk to Samsung and others through the Android layer. It has its own control points like maps and Chrome, but it has an app in the app store. So, you know, quiet, you know, we are building the quiet economy. Quiet economy behaves very similar as an open economy, just like Google does. Right. Right. So that's yeah. essentially what we're trying to build out. Right. So, so how did you get this all going, man? Like, <laughs> I, I had an epiphany I, while I, he was I know. sitting with his mother. Yeah, I mean, Shekhar told the most unbelievable but, story. I was like, how do but, I have an epiphany but, when I'm home for a sabbatical? But, but epiphany is one thing. Getting it actually into that's operation, true. selling it to a board and getting all that to happen. How did you do all that? He's Shekhar. Right. <laughs> well, you know, I would love to assume that um, that is the case, but obviously not. Yeah. Um, listen, there were many things which actually um, which were in uh, in favor. If this was an idea that I had to start from scratch, 
uh, it would have never taken off. Yeah. Right? Today, we move $8 billion in GMV. Right? We have 112 members on the platform. Wow. We have 50 brands. We added like 14 brands in the last one year. And this wow. is over what time horizon? Fully? This is just like, like 14 brands in the yeah, last like, like one year. Year, year two right? years, right? Yeah. We, we've had about 80% growth in our business. Um, and we are poised to basically like, you know, get to like half a billion dollars and more. So I think this is like, this is an amazing, like, you know, kind of uh, a launch pad for us. Um, but I did have the support of the board. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're, they're, they're a very progressive board. Like Jay Schottenstein right. is a visionary. He's built a lot of companies. When everyone believed that Aerie is not going to be the brand which is going to make it, he was the guy who actually doubled down on actually investing in Aerie. And so he believes in good ideas mm -hmm. um, and actually has nurtured it. And I had the, uh, the pleasure of working with like Michael Rempel. Uh, he's my boss. He's my brother. He's like everything to me. Like I, I like I call and like cry to him. I call and like laugh with him. But it was a team effort. So those were the conditions of support system which was created. Um, and more interestingly, COVID. Right. Okay. Right? COVID created a condition for us to accelerate our journey because like this was a strategy we were going to go execute over a period of like many years, and COVID actually created a distribution capacity crunch for us. And so we actually accelerated the entire process in three and a half months versus taking like many years. Right. And so that gave the confidence, the, the, the results gave the confidence and basically like people were bought into it. Was it an easy journey? Absolutely not. Am I still misunderstood? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, Shekhar, I, you've got a lot of people coming up to you here. Yeah, we, you just, do. we just witnessed He's like a celebrity. One, he is. He's our, our local celebrity and friend. Uh, but no, Shekhar, I'm wondering... What's the first like step that you suggest for the for the retailers that have come up to you here? What's the first step in the process, mm. especially as it pertains to what you just talked about, like getting the sign on of executive leadership to go forward with something like this that relinquishes some control, that relinquishes some kind of um, independence as a retailer? How, how what's, the, what's the advice that you give to them or like the first step that you encourage them to take? See, I, I think I think what we are doing is inevitable. Okay. It's inevitable, right? Because the world of logistics is unsustainable as we know it today, mm -hmm. right? Look at what is going on. Like UPS just announced its results. Like the volume was done down a percent and basically the, the price, like, you know, their revenue went up like 4%. Guess what happened? 5% price increases, okay. right? And so I think like people are going to have like, um, you know, inflation in the environment. I think the best way to tackle this problem uh, is basically to understand that there are more efficient ways of doing it. Doing it yourself is not the answer because if I'm a specialty brand retailer and I'm making like $300 million, where do I invest my money? Product, stores, technology. What I know best. You know, yeah. supply chain or like, you know, digital e-commerce capabilities. And if you're doing it all, like you're going to be like, you know, in stone ages, right? <laughs> right. And so, so I think like for me, you know, whether this is going to happen or not, absolutely. This is the same thing which happened to the cloud industry. Right. People had like their storage right under their desk, right. went to the yeah. cloud. It was just a matter of time. This is the same thing which has happened to the mobility industry. This is the same thing which has happened to the hospitality industry. This is the same thing which has happened to telecom industry. Hmm. Right. And so we know that this works. It has just not happened to the supply chain world. It is inevitable. So please join. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, don't worry about Come on your, board. <laughs> please, you know, don't worry about the control because you really don't have the control. Come on down to Shake House. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got the these companies. I know. Come and knock on my door. I know, Come I know, I know, I know. But uh, let's get you out of here on this. So one, I, great segue too, because one of the epiphanies that Ann and I had, and we talked about on our first live stream this morning, is is going to this conference. It's pretty obvious to us anyway, and I don't know if you agree, but I'm curious what you think. We're kind of at mile one of the supply chain transformation marathon here. Like. Do you agree with that? And then if so, like how long are we talking about here to get this vision fully to happen? Yeah. So my 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 vision ultimately is to have see the shipping industry. And right. you, you got you gotta go back to like the world like the way it existed. Andrew McLean, prior to Andrew McLean coming into picture, right? People were shipping animals, bales, and basically sacks on a ship, mm-hmm. right? And there was no interoperability from like you know from any perspective, like from a shipping container to the do- to the to the on the road network. And then the shipping, like you know, the container you know uh, encapsulation came about. Mm-hmm. And so what I think is going to happen in the future, it's unsustainable to have 50 boxes delivered to your door right. by 50 different carriers because you're fragmenting the door, and it goes against the fundamental principle of a supply chain, which is consolidation is a better thing, mm. a better yes. way to do it. So I believe, just like the world believes that there's going to be autonomous cars, I believe you're going to have containerized freight to the door. And you're going to have a universal container that is completely modular that will show up at your doorstep. To enable that vision, it's like a couple of decades. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's a couple of decades, right? So you got to you got to wire the networks. You got to build the interoperability across the networks, and you got to build scale and density. Um, and you got to like you know pe- you know bring people along for the journey who all think that they are competing with you, but they're competing on the wrong axis, by the way. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> they are competing. They're just not playing the same game. That's right. Right. Yeah. That's right. Awesome. Well, hey, that was fabulous. It's so good to see you. Absolutely. Shekhar, if people want to find out about what you're doing, how do they get in touch with you? Like, what's the best way for them well, to reach like, out? Well, like you know, you know, we are quite platforms as a website. Like you know, we have like. Uh, you can always reach me, shaker at AE.com. Like, you know, like my phone number is public on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> I get some weird text messages too. Like, oh you know, my gosh. I can't <laughs> but um, no, it's like, listen, like, you know, we are, uh, we are, we are welcoming everyone, anyone who thinks uh, that collaboration is a way of the future. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you, you heard it here. Yes. The man who goes by one name now, Shekhar. Yes. This, this, uh, this has been brought to you with the help and support of our friends at Harbor Lockers by Luxor One. If you are at the show, you can check them out there in booth 715. The Expo Hall just opened today. Go see Van and James. They are holding it down over there. And as always, be careful out there. <laughs>